Get ready. Hello and welcome to College Talk. It's your host, Beth Brandon, and we are continuing on with our grad school series. Um, Super exciting stuff. A couple reminders, please remember to rate and um, subscribe and comment because that helps uh, other people find us a little bit easier on um, Apple iTunes and CastBox. Again, I have no idea how the algorithm for Spotify works, so who knows. Um, But if you can do that, definitely help out. Uh, again, a reminder, the FAFSA is over, but if you still want to complete it, do it because you might be able to get Pell Grants and you'll definitely be able to get those federal loans, which usually have a fixed, uh, usually have a lower interest rate. It will be fixed, I promise. Um, and so definitely feel free to jump in on that if you haven't done it. Like I said, we are still doing our grad school series um, and this time we're going to go uh, overseas. Well, We're going to stay in America, but we're going to talk about going overseas for grad school. Um, I'm here with Shannon, and I'm going to let Shannon introduce herself. Hi. um, So just a little bit of background before we get into it. Um, I'm originally from Lincoln, Nebraska, but I did my undergraduate degree. I studied literature at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. And then as we'll be talking about, I did my master's degree at the National University of Ireland in Galway. Yeah, which sounds super cool. Um, Shannon and I met on us. Well, I guess I did mine through CEA, which like partnered with uh, the National University of Ireland Galway. Um, but we met at a study abroad um, in Ireland. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, which, you know, unfortunately, I can no longer really speak any Irish, but that's okay. <laughs> it was cool while we were there. Yes, absolutely. Um, so Shannon, uh, what was the driving force behind your decision to do grad school abroad? Well, I knew that I wanted to do graduate school pretty early on and I did apply to, I think seven different schools and only one of them was overseas. Okay. Um, but actually the study abroad program that we did together Mm -hmm. because it was through NU at Galway, I kind of had that on my radar. Mm. And my my mentor during undergrad was really involved in Irish studies, and he had always said, like, maybe just put in an application there and just see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of was really up in the air and not sure. And when I got the acceptance letter from Galway, there was just this part mm-hmm. of me that said, you know, this seems like a, a really cool experience. So if you can make it work with all the practical factors like money and time. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can do it. And it did take me a really long time to decide. I was pretty last minute, but mm-hmm. yeah, in the end it was kind of like this is an opportunity to get a degree but also to live overseas and that's something I had always wanted to try. So that's ultimately why I chose that degree. Yeah. And that I mean that sounds amazing. It sounds like you did put quite a bit of thought into it. Would you recommend or say that that's something that students really should do is, is to take time and put thought um, and energy into making that decision. I think definitely like I'm maybe a little bit high strung or something, but (laughs) I know I definitely started working on figuring out schools I wanted to apply for and what kinds of things they would need in the application Mm -hmm. during my junior year of college. And then I spent the summer before my senior year, just kind of starting to put together 
entrance essays and look over if I would need a GRE or anything just so that once school started and I would be really busy, I wouldn't have to be so stressed about it. Mm -hmm. But I think definitely you'd be surprised how many other people in your community might have also gone overseas Mm -hmm. or how many like people in the college system where you're at might have information about it. I think it's worth asking early on so that you can decide if that is something that's worth your time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned GRE and all those other things that, um, American schools kind of focus on, but can you touch what the application process was like, um, for, uh, NUIG and it was a different, was a pretty similar, um, yeah, just kind of what was that process like? Yeah, it was fairly similar. Um, so NUIG is kind of like a the comparison would be like a state school in the U.S. Okay. As in a lot of the universities like University College Dublin, University College Cork um, around the country, they have actually at least the time when I applied, they had kind of a standardized application system, okay. much like we have for certain universities in the states. Okay, so like the New York um, City College system. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, this was three or four years ago, but to the best of my knowledge, they're still doing it fairly similarly. Okay. And it was pretty straightforward, honestly. And I want to say it was similar to the States, but I actually didn't need any test scores. I think in the end, I had to send in a transcript Mm -hmm. and proof that I was going to graduate. Um, And then I had to get two reference letters and I wrote an essay. And then my particular degree was in creative writing. So Mm -hmm. I sent in a portfolio of my own writing. Okay. So it sounds pretty darn similar then to kind of, I know what my process was like going to grad school as well. It's very similar. I I applied at several American universities as well and Mm -hmm. I, I didn't use the same materials, but I was, there was a lot of overlap. Okay. Awesome. Um, what was that like, I guess, kind of in terms of, was there any, extra steps like visas or anything like that, that students should look out for? The visa thing is a little bit stressful, but the nice thing about it is you really don't have to worry about it until you arrive in the country. And at that stage, the university will help you out. Okay. So when I personally first arrived, I told immigration that I was coming for a degree and they give you some leeway. Like I I was given a month before I had to have a visa and register. Okay. And then the university helps you assemble what you'll need to go actually get your visa. But again, pretty straightforward. It's usually something like a letter from your university to prove you're a student there, Mm -hmm. some kind of fee. And then I think a governmental letter or something. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Okay. So it sounds like as long as you just connect with the university, they'll get you set right basically. Yeah. And a lot of universities actually tend to do international student orientations where they do kind of breakout sessions on this. Mm. So the reason I said it's a bit stressful is because obviously if you choose to go overseas, there's a few more things you have to jump through. Mm -hmm. So it took extra time and I was a little bit nervous about getting the visa, but the university is generally going to help you get there and you'll meet other people at orientation who maybe will go with you. Okay. Okay. So it, it's, it's stressful, but in the end it's pretty streamlined, I guess is kind of what I'm yeah, getting. Okay. It's just an extra step really. Okay. Um, and then I think the next thing would be, you know, how does financial aid work? Is that even an option? Um, Financial aid, the first thing I want to say about it is 
in general, and I'm speaking for Ireland in particular, but Mm -hmm. several universities I'm aware of in the UK, it's the same. Um, In general, grad school is going to be cheaper there already. Okay. Significantly so in some cases. Mm -hmm. I would say from schools I've looked at, it's usually ranging between 10,000 and 17,000 a year. And it's usually a year long program as opposed to two years. Oh my gosh. So yeah, aid aside, it's probably cheaper. I mean, you have to consider the cost of the flights and of living and everything, but I still think it's, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, There is financial aid for sure. Um, You usually will apply through website they'll have different opportunities so that would be part of your research that you're doing early on is seeing what schools have programs with a good amount of financial aid the school I went to if you had certain grades in undergrad you automatically got I think three or four grand knocked off your year okay which like that covers your flights and some Mm -hmm. of your housing so you know it helps Mm -hmm. and then um, the other thing to be looking for is if you do choose to take out a loan, it'll work a little bit differently just because it is overseas. Mm-hmm. And the schools will usually have information about that on their website, but you've got to be early on those. Okay. Um, you have to, you have to take out the loan and work with the school probably in like say March or April was the cutoff. So you'd have to kind of be planning ahead Okay. for that. That makes a ton of sense. Um, so kind of around the same cutoff for, well, at least in Michigan, um, with financial aid, you have to fill out the FAFSA by March 1st. So it sounds like spring or bust kind of. Yeah, I think so. And there's always, I mean, it, in Ireland, at least they tend to be really helpful and friendly if you mm-hmm. contact them. So they might be able to find loopholes, but I think it's always best to just be looking at the website and figuring this out, you know, mm-hmm. maybe even in January so that by March you've got it totally sorted. That's, that's a great advice. Um, okay. So one of the reasons that I think European schools and other schools in the world are, are a little bit cheaper is I think they have less in the way of like student services. Like what I do as a success coach, I don't know if, I mean, maybe they do in Ireland. I know like in Germany, I have friends who've gone over there and they're like, yeah, no, it's like you go to class and you do your thing and you, you know, study. Um, but I had through those student services, I was able to have a graduate assistantship, which paid for my grad tuition. Um, wow. yeah, I worked for them, like, you know, and stuff, but yeah, they were able to do that. So that was super helpful. Are, is that an option that you know of overseas at all, or would it just be like research assistants or TAs? I know research assistants are a thing. And I also know if you're getting a doctorate, mm-hmm. there's often teaching opportunity that will help cover some of the costs. Okay. But I I want to say for both research and for teaching, it's generally if you're doing a doctoral degree. Okay. Master's degrees, I haven't seen that as much. It doesn't mean it's not out there. Mm-hmm. But I will say if you're looking for some kind of way to have income while you're going to school, uh, the visa that you get as a student does entitle you to, I believe, 15 hours of work a week. And I think that goes up to 25 on break times. Oh, okay. So and I know it's not the same as having full tuition covered, but it, it definitely helps. Um, I did work while I was in school. Mm-hmm. I worked at the College Writing Center. Um, and that, I mean, even just the two days a week I worked there really helped me cover rent mm-hmm. and just cover small incidentals. So that's also an option if you're worried about that. That's awesome. Um, that's cool. I didn't realize that Visa would kind of encompass all things there. Or, well, not all things, but at least work. Yeah. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Um, what, I guess, what do you think are some of the things... I get, wait, before I do that, do you have anything else on like financial aid or the application process or anything? I'm trying to think. That's okay. <laughs> um, I would say in Ireland in particular, mm-hmm. they sometimes like you to make contact with some kind of advisor or faculty member from the school mm-hmm. to help you with that process or to fill out some of the paperwork. Um, that's not always true, but I guess that's just another reason to be looking at the website really early. It's super easy to make contact with someone or to mm-hmm. contact the financial aid office if you need to. But again, it's better to be doing that in December than the dates do. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's helpful. But again, I think the websites give really, really good descriptions of what they want and who to contact. So mm-hmm. just for everything financial aid related, they seem to have it all there on the web page. Give that a good read way early on so that you kind of know what you're in for. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. I say, I mean, even if you're going to just like a different state, yeah, reach out to someone at the university and have someone that you know. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. So what do you think are some of the things that students will learn outside of, you know, what they're trying to learn in their program um, from having this experience, you know, this education experience in another country, from living in another country? Um, I guess, what are some of the things that you think students will probably get that they wouldn't get going to grad school in the U.S.? Yeah, um, there's obviously a lot of things I could say on this one because I feel I've really benefited from the experience. Mm -hmm. But one big thing I would say is I just think American universities are really amazing and we produce really great qualified workers. Um, But, you know, we do often, for better or for worse, kind of have mindsets of here's how we should live our lives. Here's what age you should go to school. Here's Mm -hmm. what kind of job you should get and how quickly after school you should get it. And I think country to country, that really is different. Mm. And I think it's a really good thing for people to go overseas and experience that because you, chances are, will have people in your classes who are maybe doing something that from your perspective seems really Mm non-traditional and not a route you maybe have seen people take. And I think that's kind of freeing in a lot of ways to see that like, okay, this is my here is another acceptable thing for me to want to do with my life. And Mm -hmm. here is, you know, a path that maybe isn't what we think to do in the U S but that works elsewhere. So I think just that general ability to step outside of kind of the mental box that we grow up in and create for ourselves and see what other people's goals are like and other people's work ethic and other people's focus. Mm -hmm. I think that was a, a really big thing for me and a really big thing. A lot of people learn. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Um, And that just kind of sparked, I guess, what was it like being in a different country and then seeing different things happening like back in the U.S.? Um, Was it interesting to kind of watch things unfold and hear other people's opinions about that? Do you feel like you learned more about the U.S. in a way? Yeah. I mean, for me, it feels particularly relevant because I actually was there during an election year. Mm -hmm. So the year that I was in school was the year Trump was elected. So I guess it, it was definitely interesting because there's this part of you that feels like, Oh, that's, you know, that's my country and I should be there. And then there's this other part of you that's kind of 
you know, fielding opinions from people who kind of have nothing to do with it in right, a way. Right. Um, it, is, it was kind of weird. That was a little bit displacing events like that. Mm. But I think the good thing is in Ireland and the UK, there's so many Americans. So I felt like days like that, I kind of would just spend extra time with my American friends, maybe talk about it somewhere watch the news together and Mm -hmm. then you kind of get it out of your system and then you're kind of prepared for whatever people will ask you about it or say, because you've kind of got a few people with you to Mm -hmm. feel that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a weird feeling. You'll always kind of feel like you have one foot in one place and one in the other. Okay. Very interesting. Which is a good thing, but it can also be hard some days. Mm -hmm. Maybe, uh, feel a little alienating, I guess, in a way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you did quite a bit of traveling, and I think that's one thing that's really exciting about going to, to school uh, somewhere other than the U.S. is traveling other than to Canada or Mexico is a lot more accessible, right? Yes. I know that everybody's financial situation is different, mm-hmm. but if you are able to save or, you know, make a smart loan decision for this experience, I recommend that. If you're going to take the time and energy to go overseas, make sure you're able to do some traveling, even if it's small, Mm -hmm. because I think that's part of the experience. And I think what we don't always remember as Americans is just how cheap and easy travel is Mm -hmm. in Europe. Um, You know, for example, flying out of Dublin, there's Ryanair and it's nothing fancy, but you can literally get round trip flights to Paris for sometimes like 30 euro. So, and I mean, it's like an hour and a half flight. So, you know, if you're able to do, if you you plan wisely and you pick a few places that you really want to do and you check ticket prices, it's so cheap to travel while you're there. And on top of that, I think you should travel in the country where you're living because that's kind of part of the experience. Mm -hmm. Like you live in one place, but even if just on a day you get out of class early, if you take a bus half an hour to the West, it can be totally different in a small Mm -hmm. country like Ireland. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of getting to know the place where you're at, which is why you go somewhere else. Absolutely. Um, And that's really cool that you said that because I felt like that was one of the the things that was kind of the biggest bummer about our uh, study abroad thing in undergrad was we really didn't have a chance or I didn't have a chance besides like one weekend when we skipped class to go to Dublin. Um, we didn't really have a chance to like go anywhere. Um, and I, I think experiencing each part, cause you're right. Um, think about how different like Texas is, you know, than, you know, Minnesota. Um, you know, it's just like that in a small country. And I think it, it would have been really cool personally to experience all those things. Um, and like, yeah, if you have, you know, a normal class schedule and you can do that, like, why the heck wouldn't you? I mean, if you can afford it, of course. Right. And um, I, this was true at my school, but I'm aware of um, people in Dublin and in Edinburgh who had the same situation. Uh, usually, since you're going for a full year rather than two years mm-hmm. with the summers off, you have like your regular semesters and then they kind of give you from April onward you're finishing your dissertation. Mm. So you are working and you may need to be meeting with advisors or with group members, but Mm -hmm. you kind of have that free window. So like one thing I did was I decided maybe a bit of a risky move, but I did it. (laughs) I found a cheap flight to Krakow in Poland and I took a job there and lived there for a month while I worked on my dissertation. So I was able to kind of 
travel, if you will, but I was still earning some money. Nice. And I was working on my own dissertation. So, I mean, it's a good time, even if you don't have that ability. I had a friend who did like a two week kind of quick Europe trip and that's, he did it all in those two weeks while he was working on his paper and then went home and really hit it hard. But, you know, I think there's maybe a little bit more free time in your schedule, especially in the summer Mm -hmm. to make that happen. Even if you only have a week, I think it's really doable and everything is so close by. You can do a lot in a week. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think, um, we think about size in terms of, uh, I guess for me, like my own country. And then I remember going to Ireland and being like bus ride two and a half hours. I was on the opposite side. That was really cool. Yeah. It's, it's so accessible. I think it's, it's really a small country Mm -hmm. and the bus system has really improved in recent years. But I remember (laughs) one time looking at a map and like I said, I'm from Nebraska and if you flip Ireland on its side, it fits inside of Nebraska with like plenty of room. So I mean, (laughs) yeah, I think living in the States, we get so used to how big it is and we'll drive eight hours in a day and not think much of it. Yeah. I would tell Irish people I was going to Dublin like two, two and a half hours away. I would be going there and back in a day and they couldn't believe I would go so (laughs) far away and back all in one day. So we've kind of got the size perspective on our, on our side when we're there. Yeah, definitely. And, and the train system is really impressive in Europe as well, right? Like there are a lot of different options. Yeah. Especially in mainland Europe. Like if you can get yourself a flight to Paris or something, you can take really cheap buses and trains pretty much anywhere else. So, and for students and young people, there's a lot of really good discounts at museums and trains. Like I think if you're a student at a European university or if you're under the age of 23, I want to say, there's mm-hmm. a lot of really good discounts. Okay. Wow, that's really cool. I think that was one of my, I mean, just in traveling, sometimes my favorite things are to go to museums. And then um, I'll ask the people who, like, work there what they like to do. Um, and we did that in Reykjavik, and we found a bunch of really cool stuff just because, like, this person was already invested in the culture of um mm-hmm. Iceland and then we were like well, what do you like to do and we got like a really cool mix of like there were some more touristy things to like really learn and then the rest were like little like just little places that um we wouldn't have found on our own so that was I think that's museums are kind of jackpots honestly I completely agree and another really cool thing that made me think of is generally I have found and from my friends experiences that a lot of like in Ireland and the UK, a lot of university programs you'll be in would have students kind of from all over. Mm-hmm. So like you'll meet people who can be those tour guides for you. So mm. for example, I ended up, one of my good friends in my program happened to be from the Northern part of Greece. And that maybe wasn't always on my travel bucket list or anything, but she offered me the chance to come stay with her family for a few days. Mm-hmm. So we found a good cheap flight and I feel like I got this really cool experience with a tour guide there and got to stay in her family home because I met her in this program. And maybe I would have met someone Greek here. It's very possible because mm-hmm. we have a lot of international people here. But I feel like in my degree in particular, there was a really good array of students from all over. And making those connections is just more places to visit and more places to stay to make your visit cheaper. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> um, kind of on that same note of like what should students learn um, – I guess the question would be like, what should students go in? Like how, what should their mindset be? I think having a mindset that you view 
graduate school not just as a degree but maybe as a holistic experience mm. would be maybe that sounds a little bit out there but no I think that's great I think kind of <laughs> taking it for what it is like as a, as an entire experience so I mean I wanted to do well academically and I worked really hard on school but but it, I have to admit it wasn't like I went there and said I have to get the highest grades and be the best. It was mm-hmm. kind of like, look, I'm going to make connections and have opportunities to do things that I maybe wouldn't have here. Mm-hmm. And it was important in my mind to say, to say yes to a lot of it. You mm-hmm. know, somebody asked me to go visit somewhere to try to make that happen. Or if there was a really cool thing going on that my class was attending, like a play, it was like, maybe I wouldn't normally go to a play on a Tuesday night, but you know, kind of taking advantage of where I'm at. And yeah, I think i I think looking at it as like this kind of story to tell and this way to form yourself as a person to be ready for the next step, not just as a degree. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice. Um, the idea of the holistic, I know one thing that I say to my students all the time is success is personal, not perfect. Mm-hmm. So like a 4.0 doesn't necessarily mean you're successful. You know, if you didn't, if you, you come up with a 4.0, but you don't know how to interact with people, you know, once you leave college, are you really all that successful? So, um, I think that's a fantastic mindset to go in with. And I would say on top of that too, I mean, I can't be the complete expert because (laughs) I haven't fully lived it and experienced hundreds of interviews yet, but Mm. it seems from everyone I've talked to, like there's sometimes is a little bit of nervousness that like, Oh, if I go overseas, will it be harder to get a job back here Mm -hmm. or will people think that's weird? And in my experience, it's kind of like you said, it's not just about the grade you got or the degree you got. It's also like, look at the stories that you're able to tell Mm -hmm. about what you've done and how it might look to an interview committee that you took this kind of big risk and made it work and graduated. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, looking at it as an experience means also that you have these kind of really cool things to say about yourself and experiences that you can show you've done. And I think that's impressive to employers and to just people in general in your lives, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, globalization is huge in terms of like business and, and, and everything, but those transferable skills, those, you know, I'm doing air quotes, soft skills, the communication, that's huge. Being able to say like, I went somewhere where I didn't know anybody and I didn't really know anything. And I was able to be an an effective enough, I guess, communicator to do well. Like that is going to show awesome things. Yeah. I completely agree. Definitely. Okay. I'm in my last question. If there was one piece of advice that you would give students looking to go to grad school abroad or grad school period, what would it be? Okay. My answer is for grad school abroad, but I think it can be transferable to grad school in general. So I'll explain. Okay. I was going to say kind of coming off my answer to the last question. If you think about it in practical terms, Maybe some people will be really lucky, but how many people in their future are going to have the ability to just go overseas for a year or two mm-hmm. and live overseas? Not not only because of money and jobs and obligations, but also on a practical level, visas are mm-hmm. not always easy to keep. Um, so I think it's like if you can make it happen, make it happen yep. because – you're like, you're just not going to have that opportunity all the time. You know, I think it just provides the degree, but also the opportunity to be overseas and to potentially travel and to meet people from all these different countries. 
Um, but I think that transfers to graduate school in general, because it's kind of like taking this time in your life to better yourself. Even if you go in the town where you grew up, it's taking a year or two out of your life to get a degree, but also to gain maturity and to make professional connections and to like make yourself the best that you can be in your field. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. And I think you're right. I think that does transfer to grad school. Cause I think, you know, going to a different state, you'll get those kind of similar things, but grad school is a whole different, you know, uh, world than undergrad, I think period, just in terms of what you're expected to do. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have any last, uh, comments that you want to, you want to throw out? I mean, it might be kind of cheesy, but I would just say for, for a when listening, if I sound really confident or something, I was super nervous to do this. <laughs> I think it's always a scary decision. Mm-hmm. I had many sleepless nights going back and forth of if this is the right choice and what about this and that. But I, but I think if you find that in yourself that you keep coming back to it, it's, it's worth pursuing and to know that everybody's a little bit scared and you can do it. You'll, you'll find people there who will help you out. Go out on that limb and try it because I think the payoff is so much bigger than any fear or anxiety you might have going in. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you sound confident cause you did the dang thing. So exactly. I think, I think that's proof. The proof is in the pudding there, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I truly appreciate it. I think all of our listeners truly appreciate it and, uh, have a great rest of your evening. You as well. Thank you so much. Thanks. So, Switched up mics, you're going to hear a difference in audio quality, but I do want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to College Talk. Um, I know that there is a lot of things going on um, right now, so we're going to temporarily, after this episode, pause the grad school conversations, and um, we're going to start doing some episodes focused on uh, COVID-19. This next one particularly, we're going to be talking about Um, to uh, teachers and and counselors and and folks who are working at colleges, what we can be doing right now, um, you know, are trying to spark some ideas of what we can be doing to make sure that we're helping students. Um, To everyone who who tunes in and listens, especially during this time, um, as always, um, it is fantastic to chat with you all here on College Talk. (laughs) 